because I'm seriously afraid that it might actually be on, okay? And so even though, even though I know that won't happen, um, if you're visiting again today, I mentioned that um, we are on our way through a two-year Bible reading program, and so we are literally, you know, three weeks into it. And so today I'm going to be speaking about um, some of what we've been reading in the past week. Um, <clears throat> and so, and I'll be honest with you, I've been looking at what we've been reading for the past week for really probably a month, okay? And when I first went to um, these passages, I went, oh, wow, this one has the passage where Abraham sacrifices Isaac and then um, they get a wife for, they, they send, uh, Abraham sends his servant to get a wife for Isaac. And it's just full of stuff, okay? And I went, oh, wow, okay, good, because I was concerned it might be, and not that I'm concerned the Bible doesn't have truth in it, it's just that, you know, sometimes it's uh, harder to teach about some things than others. But anyways, uh, what I just said about Abraham is all I'm actually going to say about Abraham, because in the New Testament, because the reading that we're doing has us reading one passage from uh, the New Testament, one passage from the Old Testament each day. And so the New Testament reading that we've been doing has been in Matthew, and I couldn't get past Matthew chapter 24. And so um, and Matthew 24 is really kind of a famous passage. Um, it's brought up a lot during discussions about what are sometimes called the end times, okay? And so, um, but I want to set the scene a little bit as we talk about what goes on in Matthew 24, okay? So, um, Really, only days prior to when Jesus, when this situation actually happened, or actually, uh, this happened in what is known as Holy Week. Okay, so Jesus had come into town on a on the foal of a donkey. Everyone shouted Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's this excitement that had happened at the beginning of the week, and then some teaching that goes on. And this is during that time. Okay, and Jesus. I think no, or Jesus, I'm sure, knows what's coming, okay? And so, and I think um, we can see some of the stress that he's dealing with in some of his uh, reactions. I'm going to point some of that out, okay? He knows that he's about to be arrested. He knows he's about to be beaten. He knows he's about to be killed for the sin of mankind. He had very recently, in chapter 21, um, he had thrown people out of the temple for buying and selling and exchanging currency in the temple, and he was frustrated by that uh, process going on in the temple. He had, I put shut down, okay? That's what the kids say, shut down, son, okay? When you're like, somebody does something, it's like, okay? And so I, I do that just to sound cool, okay? Um, did it work? It, okay, thank you. Um, and so he had shut down the Pharisees because they had started questioning him. <clears throat> Excuse me. They questioned his authority. They tried testing him. And he really, like, rebuked them quite harshly, telling them they were hypocrites um, and calling them, like, a brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs and things like that and saying that they were, they were hypocrites, okay? And so... Then, after that, he leaves the temple, and then we're into chapter 24, which is uh, what I want to talk about. And I think Jesus leaves the temple, and he's feeling—sorry. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I think he's feeling 
uh, frustrated with how things have been going. Okay, I think that he's frustrated by the fact that there was all this stuff going on in the temple that was not what was supposed to be going on in the temple. He's frustrated by the way the disciples, or sorry, not the disciples, the Pharisees are questioning him. He's discipled by, or sorry, frustrated by just the Pharisees in general, okay? And I think maybe possibly he's overwhelmed, okay, because he knows what's coming. And the disciples follow him. He walks out of the temple after he's had this kind of rant with the, with the Pharisees, and the disciples follow him, and I think they were feeling kind of awkward. I think they were like, uh, what do we say? Because he just like yelled at the religious leaders almost. And so what do they do? They just say something, and, and it says, I don't, I don't think I put it up there. I'm sorry. This part, yeah, um, <clears throat> I didn't put it up there. But they say something about the architecture, okay? It says they said they brought his, his, to his attention the buildings, and I kind of just see the disciples kind of like walking along behind him like, um, so look at these buildings. Aren't they amazing? Like he just yelled at the Pharisees. They don't know what to say. They're kind of walking along with him. Wow, look at these buildings. They're, they're just amazing, okay? And I think that kind of sounds like something I would say because I would, I would just be thinking, um, I don't know how to act in this situation, and Jesus seems kind of irritated and frustrated and not himself, and I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to say something dumb, okay? And that's what I would have done, okay? So how about the weather, okay? You know, something like that. Um, and so Jesus um, continues to be pretty serious, and he uses this as a chance to keep on teaching. And so when they say something about the buildings, he says, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Um, <clears throat> and, and then it seems like he keeps on walking. Like he says that to them while he's almost, well, he's walking away from the temple. And I don't know if he's walking away from them, but they're, I think, walking to keep up with him because it says... Um, in these details that I put in here, and then I didn't put the references up there, but um, hang on for just a second. Really sorry about this part. Um, why do I think he keeps on walking? Um, he says, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And then as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the very next sentence. So it's like he said that and then kept on walking. And then he's next thing we know, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives. He he said this to them and kept walking. And I think the disciples still were like, "Uh, so now what do we say? You know, he's he's, uh, kept on walking and he said that and we don't know for sure what he's talking about. And so um, it says privately the disciples came to him. Um, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And they asked, and he answers, okay? And so he answers this question, and really, like they asked this one question, and in my Bible, the verses are underlined that are the words of God, okay? And so when Jesus begins talking, it's then underlined for the next 90 verses, a little bit more, maybe 93 or something. I didn't specifically add it up, but anyways, 
And I know we don't talk in verses, like we don't measure how much we say in verses, but he talked to them for quite a while then to answer their question. And so uh, let's look at his answer. Um, So what will be the sign of his coming at the end of the age? Um, And by the way, what I want you to hear from this today is that if I could just give you a summary before we start, Jesus is returning. He told us he was returning. He tells us a little bit about what to expect before he returns, and he wants us to be ready, and that's the entire message today, okay? But um, so what, what kinds of things are we going to see? And so I just kind of listed some of the signs that were mentioned, okay? So he says, deceivers will come, and he said, watch out. There will be deceivers who will come claiming to be me. Okay, claiming to be Christ, watch out for that. Okay, then he says there will be wars and rumors of wars. And he says, but don't be alarmed. I know sometimes people hear these things and they go, ah. Okay, don't be alarmed because if you watch the news, this has been going on for as long as I've been living, and I think it's been going on way longer than that. Okay, Um, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Same thing. Um, I would say don't, he said, don't be alarmed about wars and rumors of wars. Don't be alarmed by this, but realize these things have to happen. There will be famines and earthquakes. And then he says, all these things are the beginning of, the, of this process. These are, the, these are the beginning of birth pains, okay? And then to the disciples, or, or this all is to the disciples, but it also is to us. You will be handed over to be persecuted. The disciples were handed over and persecuted. You will be put to death. The disciples were put to death. Okay? You will be hated. The disciples were hated. Christians in 2019 are hated. Okay? Everything on that list is actually going on right now. Right? Okay? And so these are the signs. And it says the love of most will grow cold. I think that also probably is going on. There, um, you can't really point to that one specifically, I suppose, but I would say that is also happening. And then the gospel will be preached in the whole world, okay? And I put in my notes here, have you seen any of this? And I've just said all these things we've seen, okay? All these things are going on, and they've been going on ever since the disciples were the first people who were hated and beaten and killed, Okay, and then the next one, this is really where I was kind of stuck and I couldn't go past this message, okay? This abomination that causes, he said, he says in verse 15, so when you see standing in the holy place, the, um, oh, right there, did I put it up there? Sorry, I'm talking to myself with a microphone in my face. Um, No, okay, so let me go back one, okay. Um, sorry, now I just did all that and now I'm lost. Okay, so he says in verse 15, I was reading it and I stopped. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay, so he mentioned this thing called the abomination that causes desolation, and then he says, let the reader understand. And so since you all read it, you understand, so I can just move on, right? Right, most of the time we read that and go, um, but he, but he did mention this pointed out in Daniel, and what I want you to see in this is that I'm not going to give you a timeline about when Jesus is coming, and I'm not going to tell you that it's 
going to happen this afternoon, but I'm also not going to tell you that it isn't going to happen this afternoon, okay? And I'm not going to tell you that the world is falling apart, even though I think it, you know, did a long time ago, okay? So he's mentioning here a very specific event that people who are aware will recognize, okay? Do I know what that event is? I do not know what that event is. Can I tell you a little bit about what I, the cross-reference in my Bible takes us to Daniel. And Daniel, I picked out two verses from Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Um, in Daniel chapter 9, 27 says, He will confirm a covenant. And this, I believe, refers to someone known as the Antichrist. He will confirm a covenant with one, or excuse me, with many for, for one seven, which I believe is a period of time of seven years. Okay. He will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And then listen to this part, because I want you to hear that although the first several things on the list were kind of generic things that we've seen, there's a very specific timing in some of these. And then, so the second part of verse 27 says, And on a wing of the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Same words that Jesus used. Until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Okay, so referring to the Antichrist, he's going to set up some sort of, I don't know, some kind of shrine, some sort of, uh, some sort of um, sacrifice in the temple, something that's completely detestable to God. Okay? And that then begins a very specific timing. Okay? Daniel chapter 12, verse 11 says, From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished, the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. That is very specific, okay? And I think that um, I want, what I want you to hear is that although there were many very generic things that we've seen, there's also very specific timing, okay? And then I also want to point out this last thing that was on this list here. I put the word rapture um, in uh, with a question mark because the Bible doesn't use the term rapture but the Bible in this chapter, Jesus does talk about a time when like suddenly there will be some people who will disappear, okay? And so he says here, um, at that time, this is Matthew twenty-four thirty through 31, at that time the Son of Man will appear in the sky and the nations of the earth will mourn. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm ahead of myself. I'm not talking about the rapture yet. I'm still back talking. So that, so that timing after this situation from Daniel, I'm sorry, I skipped something. This timing is specific. And when this happens at those 1290 days, then the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations on earth will mourn. He will come with power, okay? They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky, with power and great glory, he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So the thing that I'm really trying to stress here is that, and I think I've said it a few times already, and I hope I don't just say the same thing over and over, that there is a specific timing um, once some of these things kind of kick in, I guess. Okay? And so Jesus who is referred to there as the Son of Man, will appear in the sky and come with great glory and power. And it won't be something where people go, oh, I think he's coming over there, and some people will go that way. It says, um, actually, that just like we see lightning in the east that actually appears in the west, um, 
for as lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you'll see this, okay? This event will be seen, I believe, all over, okay? And then there's this other one that I mentioned, which was called by somebody, I don't know even who made up this word or whatever, but the rapture is a time when people are going to, like, disappear, I guess, okay? Um, wow, I, if I would just pay attention, I should not put the word rapture on that so, so, um, slide. Um, so, now learn this lesson from the fig tree, Jesus tells us. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that, uh, that it is near, okay? Right at the door. And so, basically, he's saying, listen, this fig tree is budding, Okay, this is, this is coming. The end of the age is on its way, okay? And then, the thing that I've mentioned now twice without being ready for, another specific event where he says, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Um, it, and before he said this, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, everyone's around doing their thing. They're getting married. They're, they're enjoying life. They're just doing the things that we all do, okay? And then... This is how it will be at the, son, at the coming of the Son of Man. Um, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. All of a sudden, right out of the blue, psh, someone's gone. Okay? And um, it's commonly understood or believed, I, I believe, that this is where people think, or this is what I think, God, somewhere from heaven, says, hey, church, come with me. And the church is removed from the earth. Okay? That is a very specific event. Okay? And, and so, Jesus teaches this in Matthew 24. Okay? And then, what I, the, again, the thing I want you to hear, the whole thing, Jesus is coming again. Okay, he came once, and he's on his way, and he's coming again, and the fig tree is ready. Okay, that means things are in place, that this can happen at any moment. Okay, and so, and you say, well, Jeff, what about this abomination that caused, at, at any moment, I think this part right here can happen. Okay, and I don't know about the abomination, okay, and I hope I'm not here to see it. Okay, because I'm kind of hoping to be part of this event where I'm gone, and then, and then that's it. Okay, and I hope that you are also, okay? And so, to sum this whole first portion of this up, Jesus came once and he's coming again, okay? And the disciples at this point seem to understand that with the question that they had asked him that he went on quite extensively to answer. He came once and he's coming again, and he said, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what day or what day your Lord will come, okay? So be ready, And so I say to you, what do we do? How should we live? I want you to look at Jesus' teaching and look at what he talks about um, as these passages go on. And this is what we're going to look at for the remainder of this time. Um, And I put in my notes here, he seems to be saying, and I really think this is where Jesus was at on this. He seems to be saying, the timing of the end of the age is not what I want you to worry about. Okay, what I want you to think about, what I want you to be aware of is how are you doing? What are you doing as the end approaches? Okay, I want you to be aware. I want you to know what's coming 
and you need to pay attention that you don't get distracted, okay? And so, and I put here, do your job. And what is your job? Well, um, let's look at what he said in Matthew 24, 45 to 51. And that might be hard to read, and if so, I'm sorry about that. Um, and in this passage, he said, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants uh, in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I'll tell you, as I read that right there, I go, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. It's not that the master is trying to sneak up on him when he's not expecting him. The master is coming. The guy is not ready. Okay? It's not that the master is like a bad guy who's like, I'm going to find you doing something you're not supposed to do. It's not that at all. Okay? Um, and I'll tell you, in this and the other examples that we're going to look at, there's a very different outcome for the faithful servant and the unfaithful servant. Okay? And you are the servant who he's talking about here. Okay? You have been put in charge. Put in charge of what? Actually, he put him in charge of the household and listened to what the job was to give them food at the proper time. So who are you supposed to be feeding? Well, that is different for you than it is for me, okay? And it might not be necessarily literally feeding somebody, but it is more of a um, meeting needs. And we're going to look more at that in a minute. So I say here, you have been put in charge. Take care of those that have been put within your care. So take care of those people who have been put within your care. Who are those people who have been put within your care? Well, you can look, if you have a family, you look right next to you and go, well, these people have been put in my care. Okay? If your family has grown, then you ha- that's different for you. Okay? If you don't have a family, it's also different from you, but you still have people who have been put within your care. Okay? And... Um, I want to just say two ditches that I think can happen within families, because if you have a young family, which I do, and so this is how, kind of how I look at this, you can be off meeting the needs of the world around you, setting the world on fire, taking care of needs of people, and neglecting what's going on in your house. And so if you neglect needs that need to be met in your house, I think, you're, I think you might be doing it wrong. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying you don't meet needs around you, because then the other side of the ditch is that you focus so much on all these needs at home that you miss what goes on in the world around you, okay? And so with families, <clears throat> I just really think there are two ditches, and those are that you focus so much on your kids or you focus so much on your spouse that you miss what goes on in the world around you. You miss the needs that people you walk by, Okay? or the needs of your neighbors or your coworkers or whatever. And then the other, the other um, ditch that I mentioned is that you are busy setting the world on fire, meeting the needs of all your neighbors and all your coworkers and like trying to do everything for everybody, and you, you kind of leave your family or the people in your house sort of with needs unmet. Okay? And so that it, who are, you are the servant. 
you have been put in charge, please take care of the people who have been put within your care. And you um, consider um, how you're doing with your family and those ditches that I mentioned. And consider, please, who are the people who you need to be caring for. Uh, The next one, I kind of skip around a little bit here, but this one about the sheep and the goats. And I don't, I'm not going to read all of them, okay? Matthew 25, 31, 46 talks about what's called the separation of the sheep and the goats. And I mentioned there's a very clear separation in that last passage that I just talked about. And this one really points it out even further. There's a very clear separation between those who obey the will of God and those who do not. Um, and if we look at, uh, sorry, 25, 34 through 36, 25... Um, I didn't put it on the screen. Then the king will say to his... So he separated the sheep and the goats. The sheep are on the right, the right, and then the goats are on the left, okay? The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Okay, and so that is the response for the sheep, the people who are doing the will of God. Well, he says, welcome, because you did these things for me. And they say, what? When did I do that? And he says to them, when I w-, and, he, and, and it continues, um, he said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Okay, um, and then the response to the others, the goats in this situation, was depart from me. Um, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you gave me, or you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. So the people who ignored the needs are sent out of his presence, okay? And so I will say to you again, are you watching? Are you available to meet needs of people around you? Are you aware of needs around you? Um, Are you available to meet them or are you too busy? Um, and I put here a side note to parents. I'm sorry that I did, I did this already on the other one, but side note to parents. You shouldn't be spending, and I say, and I say this with, as a guy with young children in my house, okay, and I think this is a very easy place to fall into. You shouldn't, I shouldn't, be spending all my energy, my money, my attention on the needs of my own children, on the needs, if you're listening online, I'm putting up air quotes, okay, the needs of your own children, Take the time to teach your children to be aware of needs, okay? And teach them to be available to meet the needs of others. And they should be seeing you do this, okay? And that's the best way to teach them is that they see you being aware of needs and they see you helping meet needs, okay? And they don't see you running yourself ragged trying to get them to every different thing that they want to sign up for and... and uh, um, that kind of thing, okay? Um, and then, so that was a side note to parents, and then I have a note to children. You should be looking for ways to meet needs at home, okay? So kids can do many things to help out. Does your mom look tired? Then try to help her. She's tired from trying to take care of you, okay? Um, does your dad look angry? 
sorry, that's just my house, okay? Um, uh, try to help him, okay? Because he's frustrated by some, for some reason. So what kinds of things can you do to sort of take off some of the load, okay? Um, and so I think that we all have needs that we can help meet, I think, even at three years old, okay, and end up. Okay, now the next thing I want to talk about is what's called the ten virgins, okay? This is in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, and I'm just going to summarize it. There were uh, ten virgins. They were waiting for a bridegroom. They went to wait outside the, where the wedding banquet was going to be. Five were prepared with extra oil. Five were unprepared without enough oil. The master or the bridegroom was a long time coming, and so five of them had to take off and go get more oil because their lamp was about to run out. And when they were gone, the bridegroom came and invited in the five who were there waiting and ready and then shut the door. And the five who had to leave came back and said, hey, let us in. And they pound on the door and he says, uh, sorry, I don't know you. Okay, and so um, you are one of those virgins, Okay. Uh, Jesus is the bridegroom, and the question is, will you be ready when he arrives? Or will you be distracted away and not ready for his arrival? And you fill in the blank on whatever thing might distract you. Um, uh, and and I, don't know, I don't know what those things might be. It's not running off to get oil, so please understand that some of this is uh, it's, it's a parable, Okay. Um, but we all have different things that distract us. I have my things, and I, I believe you have your things, okay? Um, but the idea is, is that we would be ready and, go, and, and be found doing what we're supposed to be doing, which in this case really was ready and waiting, okay? The next one is called the parable of the talents. Depending on your version, because as we read this at home, um, some of them say a bag of gold, okay? The, so we have three servants, Three people were all given responsibility for some money. In my version, the money is uh, currency, I believe, referred to as a talent, which is interesting that it's called a talent because we talk about talents as abilities, and I think you can look at it like that also. Okay, But anyways, they were given some responsibility for some money. Two of them put it to use and made more money for their master. And then the third one buried it and gave the exact coin back to the master. Okay, and the two were rewarded, and the third one was thrown out because he wasted his chance. And now to you, you are a servant. Your master, Jesus, has given you resources that he wants you to use for his benefit. And I say resources because I want you to know that means more than just money. I'm not talking about your money, although the money is part of it. It's actually not all that it is. I think it's way more than that. Um, And so uh, how will you use what he's given you? And don't, the direction that I would have for you is don't waste what you have, okay? Your resources, which means to me your time, your energy, your abilities, your money, okay? Think of what, what things do you have that are resources that you can use for the glory of God, What things has he given you that you can um, invest in his kingdom, okay? You all, and I underlined all and put it in caps, you all have something to put to use for the glory of the king of kings, 
Okay, he is the one who's in charge of everything, and he's given you some of it. And your job is to do something with it. And then the next one is called the wretched tenants. Uh, By the way, just a little side note. I was talking to Jay before we got started today, and he said something about, yeah, but when we, because we talk about preaching from these readings that we're doing for the next two years, there's this, you know, it's kind of planned out, like, where you're going to be teaching from. But he said, well, w- but when you're in the Gospels, you could, you know, sort of take all the messages from whoever's going to be preaching from, you know, Luke and John and Mark. And I got to tell you, I never even thought of that. So sorry, Kyle, if I'm taking a lot of these. <clears throat> um, and so, and I, I don't know if I am, but anyways. Um, so Matthew twenty-one thirty-three to 46 is what's called the wretched tenets. And so I went back a ways. This is before Jesus talked about how to be ready, but I just want you to consider this parable also. Um, I'm going to summarize this one also. So rent, or sorry, rented land that the master had invested in. So it tells us at the beginning of this passage that the master had built a tower, he had built a wall to protect his land. He had built a wine press, and then he rents it to somebody, and he goes away. Um, it was valuable property, because, and he had put, he had put um, I think he had put quite a bit into it before he went away. So the master went away and sent servants later to collect his fruit, it says. Okay, so it's like I think some of the fruit was his payment. Okay, they rented the land and there was an agreement that he would have some fruit. Of the servants that they sent, they beat one, they killed one, and they stoned the third one. And so he sent more servants and they did the same thing. So that he sends people, hey, go get some of my fruit from this land while we're off away doing, I don't know what they were doing, but these people who went to collect the rent were killed twice. I guess not all of them killed. Some of them were just beaten badly and stoned, which is awful. Okay, and so then he sent his son, and they killed him. Um, And they said, oh, this is the heir, and we'll just kill him also. And so then Jesus said to the disciples when he was teaching this, what will the master do to these tenants? And I think some of this was for the hearing of the Pharisees also. What will the master do to these tenants? Well, and they answered correctly, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. So these, these tenants who kill his servants, who are say, just kind of send them, or they mistreat them terribly, he said, they said he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And I say to you today, you are the tenant. Okay? The Lord, the God of heaven, is the master. He sends representatives into your life. How do you receive them? Uh, Do you hear what God says to you through others? And I'm not just talking about from up here. I'm not just talking about preachers on the radio. I'm talking about people you just talk to in life. You can hear from God. There's a situation in the Bible where someone's donkey starts talking to them because they just needed to listen, okay? And so you can hear from God in all kinds of places, but as God sends a... Um, servant to you to send you a message. How are you receiving that? Okay. And then the other thing, um, how are you receiving even as you read his word? Are you hearing what he's saying to you? Are you open to receive his messages? And then listen to this one. Are you hoarding his resources? Because these tenants also were doing that. Okay. 
they were put in charge of these resources, and are you like, no, these are mine. I'm not giving them to you. I'm going to kill whoever tries to take them from me, okay? And so um, are you forgetting your place? Are you forgetting that you aren't the master? You're the servant, okay? And so um, what I want you to hear today, I, I think I've said it, I want you to do your job. I want you to be ready because he is coming at any time, okay? If you say that you are a believer in Jesus, then I think you are saying that you believe the words of the Bible, and the Bible tells us that he, he came once, he lived, he taught, he died, he was, he was crucified, and then he was resurrected. Do you believe that? Yes, I think. I'm not saying yes for you. I believe that, okay? He said he was going to come again after he returned to heaven. He's coming again, and it could happen at any moment, okay? The fig tree is, uh, the branches are tender, I think is what he said. It could happen today. Or you could die today. Are you ready? Okay, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are there things that you do in your life where you go, boy, Lord, I would be absolutely ashamed if you came back right now. If you, have, if you say yes to those things, and I think we have those things that happen, I want you to confess those things to God today, okay? Um, and I, wa- I want to tell you also, mistakes will be made. You will make mistakes. We read last night about Peter and how he denied Jesus three times. We'll make mistakes, and then Jesus received him back, okay? It wasn't like he was, he was sent away, okay? We'll make mistakes. Distractions will come. But your job is to be ready, okay? Um, I'd like to invite the worship team to come up as, we, as I sort of wrap this up. And I want to say thank you for your attention today. Um, I'm not the pastor. I'm just a fill-in today, and I do appreciate people listening. And uh, I also appreciate you coming because the weather is a little bit nasty. But um, And now, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not done. And so I would just say none of this is possible. Living for God, uh, not being, being distracted is extremely difficult, okay? You cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to ask him to help you stay on track. I want to encourage you to confess to him your distractions. What are the things that you struggle with? What are your weaknesses? What is your sin? What's your struggle? And I want you to know that he wants to help you. Okay, he wants to walk with you through this life that you're living. Um, And I also want you to know, because I think sometimes we look around and go, oh, wow, it's so nice in here. Everything's so perfect. And these people in this church maybe seem like they have it all together. And no one has it all together, okay? None of us gets it right all the time, and we are very good at hiding our struggle, okay? The disciples were called whitewashed walls, or sorry, not the disciples, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were accused of washing the, inside, or the outside of the cup without paying attention to the inside, okay? And I need to be careful that I'm taking care of what's going on on the inside more than on the, okay, I can put on this sweater and whatever. I can comb my hair and look presentable. But the truth is, is that that's not what God is after, okay? I can tidy everything up, but I want you to know I have my own issues. You have your own issues. I know you do, even if you don't tell me, okay? And so, um, don't hide those things, but, 
but put those things out there. It doesn't mean you go around and tell everybody necessarily, but confess those things to God at least, and then I would say even to some other people. And then I'll also just end, almost, I'm almost end. There is protection and obedience. When we obey God, there is safety. It doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect, but there is safety. If we're doing what he asked and he returns and you say, God, but I'm trying to do what you asked me to do, then you know what? He's going to say, well, welcome. Come with me. Okay? I didn't, okay? And so there's protection and obedience. And so when he comes, will he find you obedient or will he find you deliberately disobedient? And I want to just lastly encourage you to commit to live for him by his power, with his direction, and for his glory. And I'm going to pray and then walk away and let the worship team close this, okay? Lord Jesus, we need you. We trust you. We love you. We want to live for you. We believe in your word that you're coming. We um, believe in your teaching and that your way is the best. And so, God, I just offer myself and I offer these people up to you and pray that you would please help us. We can't do any of this without you. We need you. We need your help, and uh, we want to obey you. We don't want to be caught um, doing something that we weren't supposed to be doing. We want to be people who please you in what we do. And so I just pray for you to bless the remainder of our time. Uh, Thank you for the people on the worship team and the songs that they are singing, and I pray that we would encounter you as we sing this one last song. Amen. And if you want to pray with somebody, there will be people over here. If you want to come up and just kneel and pray on your own, you can do that also. Thank you.